Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear Christian friends, when I was a teenager, I had a part-time job at a quick-trip gas station near my home. And when we were on shift, as long as we brought with ourselves our own cup, we had unlimited access to the fountain beverages for the next six to eight hours. And on one such occasion, it was a summer evening between my, my freshman and sophomore year of college, where I had chosen to bring a cup that I had received on campus at Concordia University. And it was a plastic insulated mug and printed on the side were the words Concordia University along with our mascot, the bulldog, printed on the side. And as business slowed, um, one of my coworkers and I took to standing off to the side, drinking out of our cups, and he noticed mine, and he asked me about this Concordia University that he had never heard of. And not interested in that moment in anything more than just minimal small talk, I responded truthfully, yet not completely, that Concordia University was a small private college in Nebraska. He followed up by asking me how I heard of such a small place. And again, not desiring a deep conversation, I chose another partial truth. So, well, my dad is an alumni and my brother goes there now. I mean, so this is a place where I can go to school and I can also play soccer at the same time with my brother nearby. And I glance over towards the cash register, hoping that a customer will magically appear needing my assistance and to draw me out of this conversation. But alas, no one was there, and instead a third question came my way. Well, he asked, what are you studying at Concordia? And for a third time, I respond brilliantly and strategically by simply saying, psychology. And then I anxiously search for something, for anything on the counter that can distract me, distract him from this conversation, and move us in a different direction. Because I was desperately trying to avoid the question that then came out of his mouth. Well, what do you want to do with your degree after college? To give you some context, a few months earlier, I had finally decided that I was going to pursue full-time ministry in the Lutheran Church. And so along with my psychology degree, I would take courses in theology and education and be certified as a director of Christian education. So faced with this question, I had two choices. I could lie, or I could tell him the truth and risk a conversation about my faith that would surely follow. And so I told him the truth. And as expected, he asked me about my faith and why I cared so much about this Christian faith that I would desire to go into full-time ministry. And I'll tell you this, I don't remember what I told him that day. But I remember exactly how I felt. I remember that I was uncomfortable with this conversation. I was not 
ready or willing to engage with this conversation. And when this conversation was over, I was disappointed in myself for how I handled it and how I answered. I was what a recent research from Lutheran Hour Ministries and the Barna Group would call a reluctant witness. And perhaps you too can recall a similar situation where you took steps to avoid a spiritual conversation that you saw coming. Or perhaps you can empathize with my discomfort knowing that it was coming. And I'll tell you that this same research tells you that you and I are not alone in those situations. 74% of Christians that were polled just a few short years ago as a part of this research, they reported that they engaged in less than 10 spiritual conversations in the last year. And that means for this group of people, more than a month, nearly a month and a half could pass between any conversation about any spiritual topic with any person including their friends and family and even fellow Christians. And this same group of people report that they know they should have these conversations. They're just afraid of having them. And so they, and I would argue each one of us at some point in our lives, we fear these conversations because we're afraid that we don't have the right answers. Or we're afraid that we don't know quite enough to speak about our faith. We're afraid that we might just offend someone or find ourselves no longer accepted by them because of our witness. This is not just a 21st century problem. Because these 74% of Christians, they're in the same boat that Jesus' own disciples found themselves in 2,000 years ago. If you remember from last week's gospel lesson, it was on that Thursday night, the night that Jesus was betrayed, that he spoke to his disciples and he began with a command, do not let your hearts be troubled. Jesus would prepare a place for them in his father's house and he alone was and continues to be the way to the father. But then, as we heard this morning, Jesus promised them a helper. One that would be with them forever. The very spirit of truth. However, a few short days later, when Jesus appears again to these disciples, in the confusion of that first resurrection evening, where does Jesus find his disciples but locked in a room afraid. Decades later, God's people found themselves persecuted for their faith, and they'd been scattered among the nations as exiles. And so Saint Peter, the Apostle Peter, he echoes Jesus' words to these new reluctant witnesses, words that he heard himself from Jesus on that Thursday night. He writes to them, have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for, the, for a reason 
for the hope that is within you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. So God speaks these same words to us today. To Christians living in a world where truth has become so relative and so personalized that there remains little place for the spirit of truth among us. God speaks to us in a world where our witness is desperately needed, yet is often silenced by our own fears. And so as reluctant witnesses, the hope within us becomes a reason for our own personal sufferings. Instead of a response or even a remedy for the sufferings of those around us. Because in our fear, we just assume that these spiritual conversations are not desired by anyone. That they are these serious endeavors that are reserved only for the theological elite. That these conversations will no doubt leave us afraid or confused or angry. So not only do we avoid our spiritual conversations... I'm sorry, not only do we fear our spiritual conversations, but we avoid them also. But despite these moments of weakness, despite our personal failings, the spirit of truth dwells among us. And the hope within us, it remains. And the hope within us, it remains because it's not dependent on our efforts or our attitudes. But the hope within us is based on what Jesus has already done, what he has already accomplished, the death that made him cry out, it is finished. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous one for the unrighteous. Jesus died as the substitute for humanity. He covered all of humanity's sins with his precious blood, blood that flowed freely out of his veins, down the rugged surface of the cross, and soaked into the dry earth beneath his feet. Blood of the sacrifice accepted by God the Father in heaven on our behalf, earning us salvation, salvation that was affirmed by the resurrection of Jesus Christ on the third day. And Jesus, who was made alive by the Spirit, he then went and proclaimed this victory over death to the spirits in prison. And then, on a day Thousands of years later, God the Father applied this salvation directly to you in your baptism. A baptism that now saves you. Not as any removal of dirt from your body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience. All through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, it is in baptism that the resurrected Jesus, he gives to you something. Namely, a good conscience. The righteousness of Christ himself as he presents you to the Father. 
So have no fear, then, of those who would mistreat you for your faith. Be not troubled by the suffering in this world, but in your hearts honor Jesus Christ as Lord, and remember his promise to you. I will not leave you as orphans, he says. I will come to you. And the resurrected and ascended Lord, he has come to you through his Holy Spirit. And so you are not alone. And you are not a spiritual orphan. Rather, you are a child of God, your Heavenly Father. And as St. Cyprian said many, many years ago, no one can have God for his father who does not also have the church for his mother. So on this Mother's Day, I invite you to see God's church as your spiritual mother. And the ministry of this church here on earth, not as some sort of program for you, not as a place where you can go, but as the love and care that a mother would have for her child. They urge you to view this church as a spiritual family. A family of brothers and sisters, of fathers and of mothers. A family that transcends our biological and social and cultural boundaries. An eternal family into which you have been born. And one in which you continue to be raised to life in the new creation. It's through God's church, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, that you have been born again, baptized into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this church, whether it's gathered here in our midst, or it's experienced alongside those that you call family in your homes, it is through this church that you have been nurtured and fed and cared for as you grow up as living stones being built into a spiritual house. So through word and sacrament, through devotion and prayer, you have learned more about Jesus than you think. And through Bible study and Sunday school, through service in your community, through the loving relationships that you have developed within the church, you have been prepared far more than you realize, prepared for the countless opportunities that you have to share the hope that is within you. So do not be afraid, I'll say it again, because the spirit of truth, it readies you. And do not be troubled, for Jesus has not left you alone. He is not calling you to be a perfect witness who has all of the answers Because praise be to him that the salvation of souls, it is not your responsibility or mine. It remains God's. But instead, God is inviting you to ready yourself. Ready yourself to humbly join Jesus in his mission of salvation. One conversation at a time. You see, it was a few months after I had this awkward and unfortunate conversation with my co-worker that I returned to school again for the fall semester. And I volunteered that year as um, 
as a part of the freshman welcome event. And so I received a bright blue t-shirt that had our weekend's theme printed on the front. Two words, ask me. And that shirt identified me as someone new students or other visitors. They could stop and they could ask for help. But on the back of that shirt was printed our theme verse, part of our reading for today. In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. This shirt was a reminder that there was something more important than dorm room location or dining, dining hall hours that I wanted people to ask me about. I wanted people to ask me about the hope that is within me. So this shirt quickly became one of my favorites, and it was one that I wore often. And as off, almost as often as I wore it, someone would stop me and ask me something, because after all, my shirt was an invitation to do just that. But as we began to speak, I was able to show them the back of my shirt and share with them the hope that was within me. The hope that is found in Christ Jesus. Christ who had paid for my sins with his death. Christ who had made a way for my eternal life with his resurrection. And Christ who has assured me of my salvation through baptism. And sure enough, one conversation at a time, I became a little more prepared for the next one. And I am sure that in each of these conversations, the spirit of truth was working in my words and in the hearts of those who heard them. And that same spirit of truth, it dwells with you today. So I pray that the hope of Christ becomes evident in your relationships so that when other people ask, because I'm telling you, eventually they all will, that you seize the opportunity. And you share the reason for the hope that is in you. Hope that comes from Jesus Christ, your Savior and theirs. In the holy name of Jesus. Amen.